We have to understand that, yes, you came here, you're writing the education, but there is a full-on history of Indigenous people that were here. Let's ask the community, how can we make this narrative change and be inclusive of all different uh, experts in the community? Because we have experts in all areas. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. So this show that you're listening to at this moment in the space-time continuum is a place for people in the Native community around the state to tell their stories, focused on how they realize their gifts and how they now share them with the overall community, that and a lot more. We've spoken to some amazing guests so far, and it ain't stopping anytime soon. How are you doing today, sis? It ain't stopping. It's just starting. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. How are you? Very good. It's been a very busy day news-wise with the historic, you know, COVID vaccine arriving in Minnesota. And, you know, with uh, there's a business relief deal on the way and unemployment supposedly being extended. So it's been a big, big day for sure. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot more updates on that throughout the course of the week. Wow. You know what I've been watching today is the electoral vote count. Just quiet, you know? (laughs) It's just so solemn, but so significant all at the same time. Yeah, and just like... Lots of stuff happening. Just before this, you know, conversation we're having right now, I think all Minnesota's electoral votes went to Joe Biden, of course. Um, So, yeah, that's a big, big update. There's also, I don't know if you heard this, but in sports, the Cleveland Indians have... Are dropping their name. Brap. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is uh, big news. Mm. And hoping to uh, talk about that just a little bit today. Yeah, um, yeah very important uh, that we aren't considered mascots, some sort of uh, just the usual misrepresentation <laughs> all over the place. I mean, it's it's a significant topic, but it feels, it's so draining to keep talking yeah. about it because it just feels like, shouldn't this be just done with? Yeah. By now, <laughs> shouldn't this, we move on to the next conversation? But it is a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I've seen, and then, seen a lot in the native oh, feed, the, like the two down, you know, three to go or four to go with the, with the other mascot names. So mm-hmm. it continues, of mm-hmm. course. Little yeah. by little. Little by little. Today we have on the program is Ramona Quito Stately. Ramona Quito Stately is an enrolled member of the Santee Sioux Dakota Nation. She has a BA in Dakota Art and Culture and a Master's of Education with an emphasis on teacher leadership from Augsburg University. And after 15 years of teaching Indian education in Minnesota, she is now the project director for the We Are Still Here Minnesota group, creating action for narrative change. Ramona is the mother of two children, an accomplished beadwork artist with moccasins on display in the Science Museum of Minnesota. So I can't wait to talk about that. 
um, a part of the scholars team with the Minnesota Humanities Centers for Learning from Place, Bedote. And she's served as the chairperson of the Minnesota Indian Education Association since 2018. Oh, <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so here on here we are. Here she is, rather. Ramona. Hi. Buju, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, we just we just saw you last week for We Are Still Here, so it's nice to see you more one-on-one. -on -one. So, Ramona, could you please introduce yourself for us? Absolutely. Hami taku yipi. Ampetakinde owasi chante washtea napechu zapie. Ramona Kido stately imakiapie. Hello, my relatives. I always like to begin with those beautiful Dakota words that carry so much knowledge and information. Hello, my relatives. And I'll keep getting back to that. Uh, hello, my relatives statement as we move on. But I am the project director for We Are Still Here in Minnesota and just very passionate about Indian education and the way we um, educate and raise not just Native kids, but all kids. And um, so Indian education seems to be my niche and changing narratives. But thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. I know both Cole and I have, have a good deep history with Indian ed uh, in Minnesota here, and I, I credit Indian ed um, with a lot of my own growth as a as a youth, as a student, uh, back in the day. Um, yeah. So it, I, we, we recognized, how, we recognize how significant it is. Um, but first of all, how have you been doing during these pandemic times, ever changing times? Um, are you and your family healthy? We are healthy. Uh, I live here and with my two children, Jillian and Ruben and Jillian's a teacher Indian education uh, at Osseo Area Schools, and she works from home. Um, Ruben is a, a student at Augsburg. He's working from home as well. He's, he has a place, but he doesn't even go in. Um, our families, we have families. Uh, my brother recently, his whole family got COVID. So we're trying to stay healthy. Um, my uncle died two days ago from COVID. Uh, and he didn't, he was, he fell and he hurt himself and he went in the hospital and he had rehabilitation and that's where he got COVID. So it's just like these crazy um, turn of events. Um, so we're trying, we're trying to um, stay in prayer, keep uh, positive energy into the universe and um, glad to see today with our vac vaccines, right? Uh, so just um, praying for the people, stay healthy. Great, sorry for your loss. Yeah, very sorry. Thank you. Ramona, could you please give us a brief overview of the Reclaiming Native Truth study? Yeah, so the Reclaiming Native Truth study was the first ever national research on uh, really, what does America know about Indians? Pretty much, you know, what does America know? And there was never proper funding or 
resources available to, to have this. So this was a really big deal. So there were many, many people uh, who took surveys all across the country. One of the things that really struck me was of all 50 states, uh, 23 states do not teach anything at all about Native Americans in their curriculum. Nothing. Of the ones that do, uh, do not teach anything about Native Americans in their curriculum after 1900. So what they've very clearly done is erased anything contemporary about, about our Native nations. So we know really that uh, the, the perpetrator of these stereotypes, harmful myths about Native people, come from K-12 education, but they filter into all these other very important areas, right? So this is where our judges come from, K-12 education, right? This is where people who are in our State Department to make really important decisions about uh, the sovereign nations in our states. This is where they've gotten their information. Either, you know, Minnesota is one of those states that does teach up to 1900. Um, but really, we are raising the leadership in this country to be very, very ignorant about a really, really important topic. And so uh, now we have this data many times when we are trying to make changes in a system. Uh, you need data. You know, we have it now. So this, this is this data. And it really shows also, it looks at other areas like philanthropy, like less than 1% of all of those philanthropic dollars. And Minnesota is so great at the philanthropy part. It doesn't go to Native people. If we look at a state report that says, who are the 15 largest uh, employers in our state? It doesn't include our sovereign nations in those reports because there is a very clear misunderstanding of sovereignty, uh, of our political status, and also a misunderstanding of like, okay, where, where does that information about Indians go? Because we really don't know what to do with them, right? And so this is research that, that sums up and shows really good data. And from that data, we can say, okay, let's start and clear up these false narratives. And mascots is one of, the, one of those clearest things because America loves football. We love basketball. And there are no other groups that are represented as mascots um, except Indians. And um, just while we're celebrating the fact that, you know, we've gotten rid of one more down, did you say, Cole? <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> We've got 12 school districts in our state that still use Native American mascots. So um, we have to really look clearly. And I always say, let's focus on place. Let's focus on the place we live. Let's focus on the place where narrative change in our state is going to impact us very clearly and very definitively and almost immediately. Yeah, thank you for that. I know I live in a place right now um, that used to have... Um, native a native mascot and uh they changed it several years back but it still surfaces as like a traditional proud reminder of who this school district really was um and i have a hard time with that when i see that <laughs> in the community so there's still a lot of work to do yeah. <sighs> a lot of work to do for sure and now 
you're in a role as the project director, like you said, for We Are Still Here Minnesota. Can you tell us a little bit about those roles? Just give us kind of the, the basics of what you've been up to. When we started, I, I, I started with We Are here, Still Here in Minnesota as the education person on the steering committee. So just really preliminary planning and, and deciding what if, if this became a major project, what would we need? Right away, we'd need this um, project director. And eventually, I did take that position. But in doing that, in being on the steering committee, we decided, well, let's ask the community, how can we make this narrative change and be inclusive of all different uh, experts in the community? Because we have experts in all areas. And one of the things I noticed as an educator was you're pretty stuck in like this siloed system that never changes in education. Education is the the largest perpetrator of the false narratives, the stereotypes. And so it really made sense to me that we need all this other help. And so we had a convening at Mystic Lake. Each one of the groups, there was me in education and uh, Rory Wakemup for media pop culture, Sarah, Hernandez from the McKnight Foundation and Wayne Ducheneau from the Governance Center looking and saying, who are the movers and shakers in my area of expertise? Who are people who would likely be willing to share their knowledge, their resources to help support a lot of different things that are happening to change the narrative? So we, we brought all these people together and then we put them in, we explained the research uh, reclaiming Native Truth, and we um, set them all up in different breakout areas and asked questions about what do you suppose those barriers and challenges are in your field, and then what things can you do in the next few years to change the narrative, and then of those things, what can you do in in the next 12 months? So it was very exciting to have that convening and have each group come together. And then the groups came back together as a whole to create a plan that was even more focused on narrative change. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. And today we're hearing from Ramona Keto stately Ramona is a citizen of the Santee Sioux Nation and is now the project director of We Are Still Here, Minnesota, working to network people and organizations committed to the Reclaiming Native Truth research and its findings. So Ramona, can you tell us how you got into this line of work and what's the story of your work's evolution? So my kids were probably in the second and fourth grade, something like that. And I was an at-home mom and I needed the money. So I decided to go back to work and my friend Priscilla Buffalohead said, hey, Osseo is hiring for Indian education. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm not a teacher. I, I'm an artist. <laughs> she says, perfect, which is telling because um, I wasn't trained in the traditional way. She says, it's Indian education. You know, the, the mission is to enhance the cultural identity of the Native child. You'll be perfect. And so I applied for the job and I got it and it was awesome. I got to 
uh, hang out with Native families and um, just teach anything I wanted, you know. And at the time, we were a real active powwow family, and we would travel all summer. We would take one teepee, and then it grew to two teepees, and then it grew to three, and lots of families. So uh, I would take uh, the teepees to school, you know, and we'd put them up. We'd put them up and bring them down in 40 minutes, you know. So it was just very, very cool for me. So that was my start. I was at Osseo. I was very, I was supported more than most Indian education programs. There was not somebody telling us exactly what we had to do. If we could connect it to standards, it was fine. So we were in control of our budget. We were in control of the overarching uh, factors that we wanted to do. However, we decided to engage with parents or how we knew uh, we could engage with parents, we did. So that was that. But there's always these windows of opportunities that come and go in a school district, and it depends on the leadership. So sometimes Indian Ed's shut out. Sometimes we're, we're treated as if we're uh, less than. Uh, and other times we're highlighted because, you know, we were a great program. Uh, so during those times when we had superintendents who decided to do their own count and decide how many Native students we had, which happened, took us from 300 and some to 70 kids, which really impacted our budget for years and years and years. Uh, When we had those things, I, I just couldn't believe that this ignorant person could come in and have that much power, right? And so I went back and I got my um, master's degree in education, certainly not to learn what they were teaching, but to understand the process and to interrupt it. And I think I interrupted it all the way through my master's program. And I'm, <laughs> I would stand up in class and say, please tell me you're not going to do that as a teacher. Tell me you're not going to use the rule that they say, don't smile before November. Um, so it was kind of traumatizing for me, but it, it helped me to understand uh, the system and to be able to find ways to uh, be an interrupter. I even got an award for that. <laughs> for kind of interrupting. Um, yes. <laughs> but but um, there's still only so much that can happen in, in education because it's, it's just been the same forever. What what are the the top priorities when it comes to K through twelve education and like changing that narrative? First of all, we have to be able to tell our own stories. Uh, when we look at K through twelve, education was created and written by a colonized you know in a colonized viewpoint that pretty much says, well, there were Indians here and they're gone now. Um, when we look at a Little House on the Prairie, right? Those are some really popular kids' books. This is a prime example of how we talk about Indians in, in K-12. This is the very first sentences of that book. Today, we're moving to Minnesota. By the time we get there, the Indians should be gone. That's it. We have to understand that, yes, uh, you came here, you're writing the education But there is a full-on history of indigenous people that were here. And we know if we don't know and tell our history, we're apt to repeat it. Why don't we take our own advice? I really don't know. Some of the things we have to do, going back to your question, Cole, is we have to look at what we are teaching. We have to be 
inclusive of the history of the people who lived in our state. So I always say, narrow it down to place. It has to be taught. We have to talk about the Ojibwe and the Dakota in our state. Otherwise, it's very easy to talk about the Trail of Tears and what they did over there, right? There was a Trail of Tears here. So we have to focus on place. We need to pass uh, a legislation that is coming up for the third time in our state, and it's um, Indian Education for All. I call it Minnesota History and Culture. And what that legislation is, is in including Minnesota's Ojibwe and Dakota history and aligning it with all their curriculum standards. So we don't have a month. So we aren't separated as, as uh, separate individuals. Our teachers don't have the tools to do that. So we have to go further. If, if there is legislation about what to teach and to teach to standards, uh, we have to be able to create those standards. So we have to give teachers the tools for what we're asking for. And it almost seems like things are very disconnected, which is, you know, um, compartmentalizing things and areas is, is how this happens. So there's this great intention to be inclusive of Dakota and, and Ojibwe history, but the standards people and the people who are offering teachers professional development are not in on this, right? Everyone has to be on board. Everyone has to be in that decision-making process to give the teacher the most wonderful people in the world. (laughs) Hallelujah. Seriously, they don't do this job for the money. They don't do this job because they get a big fat paycheck. They do this job because they care and they don't do it to, to do it wrong. So we have to give them all the good tools that they need to, to bring up these beautiful Wakanyasia, these sacred little ones, to fill their minds with truth and make sure all of them are good critical thinkers. And you can't be a good critical thinker when you just have one bit of information, right? And you don't, you don't understand the, all the other perspectives and points of views. So the vision really is to um, help people understand that we have to know all the history and our history as native people is helpful in our state. So if we want to uh, create strong community, we have to talk about everything, the good, bad, and the ugly. And we have to be very frank and open about what we've left out and why we've left that out. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Today, we're hearing from Ramona Quito stately Ramona is the project director of We Are Still Here, Minnesota, working to network people and organizations committed to the reclaiming Native truth research and its findings. She's worked in Indian education in Osseo for 15 years and is a citizen of the Santee Sioux Nation. So obviously we've heard that you're also an artist. Could you talk a little bit about that and kind of how it intersects and informs your work? I think that's that's really like what I was meant to be was... uh... I, I love to make moccasins. It really ended up being like what I did well. First time I made a pair of moccasins was for my nephew. And I had to, I had to learn. I had to, you know, ask questions. And I made this first pair of moccasins and um, I kept calling my dad. My dad's like my best friend. I'd call him and I'd say, man, I don't know how this, these moccasins, uh, how I'm doing them. It's like they're perfect. And it's almost like, effortless. 
And, you know, moccasins are challenging. If you learn the history about them, you start at the toe because that's, that's like the direction that that foot moves. So you start at the toe and that's your first prayer in each stitch is a prayer. And I just couldn't imagine how I knew how to do this, but I was good at it. And in my early years, sold a few pairs for some, you know, just to get by. But um, in the meantime, I'm doing my research, researching my family history. And I find my great, great grandmother, her name is Paza Hiyawing. And um, she was, uh, she was uh, put on the concentration camp at Fort Snelling. And she was sent on riverboat onto Crow Creek, made it all the way to Santee, which um, my reservation is the exiled people. And she made it all the way through the rest of her life there. And she made, when I found her obituary, she made beautiful moccasins. And all of her, she taught all of her daughters to make beautiful moccasins. And um, I remember wondering how I knew, and I always felt like somebody worked through me. And uh, I think it was her. I mean, I know it was her now, uh, but I didn't know that when I started. So that's what I do well. And I also, you know, match those, especially if I'm making children's with those amulets to remind our stu- our children that we are the star people. And um, I just currently have a contract for uh, some beadwork to go in uh, a museum in, in Canada. So that's kind of exciting. It's something I do that just really centers me. And the way I was taught was, especially on those, like the shoes, because that's like the foundation. That's like how we walk. The, the decision that we make to walk in this world, if we're going to put those moccasins on, is really like as an indigenous soul, you know. And so I was taught to clear the energy and always keep a good energy around when I'm doing that one thing. Uh, so it centers me and it makes me happy. That's great. That's, uh, I remember in Indian education and when we do, when we'd make, you know, like a, a mini drum or if we'd make like a dream catcher or something like that, that they would, uh, the instructor would say to do it uh, and think of good thoughts as you're doing it and just do it in a good way. I, I remember that being, you know, emphasized. So it's good to hear. It's good to hear that again after so many years, you know. Was that Shirley Campa? Yeah, Shirley Campa. Actually, <laughs> do, do you know Shirley Campa, Ramona? Oh, who doesn't know Shirley Campa? <laughs> I know. <laughs> She's so awesome. That's great. Let's speak. I mean, uh, you know, researching for this interview kind of, you know, had had me thinking about Shirley because, uh, yeah, she was one of the first Indian education pe- people uh, that you know helped our family and connected with our family and stuff like that she'd come over to our house so it, it it you know encouraged me to reach out to her today and hopefully you know we you know reconnect and it's it's been a while so thank you so much for taking the time today Ramona I really look forward to our continued collaboration with we are still here Minnesota uh, on into the future changing those narratives uh, being modern native people. Yeah, it was really great to hear you know your perspective and the great work you're doing. Thank you very much. Thank you guys. It was a pleasure. Gigawabaman. Gigawabaman. <laughs> it was great hearing from Ramona Quito Stately. Uh, Ramona is a project director of We Are Still Here Minnesota, working to network people and organizations committed to re- the reclaiming native truth research and its findings. And she's a citizen of the Santee Sioux Nation. 
Very glad we had her with us. Big thank you. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine is, produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you want to hear more Native folks talking about their gifts and finding their purpose, search for Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, wherever you find podcasts, and find all of Minnesota Native News content at minnesotanativenews.org. All right, Cole. Well, that's yeah. it for us. Miigwech for listening. Yeah, miigwech everybody for listening. And as always, Giga Wabba Man. man.